0: You're listening to the Cycling Podcast Femina, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. This is the Cycling Podcast Femina at the Women's Tour. Today, we're in Avaston. An incredible time trial ride propels us to the top of the leaderboard. The new leader of the AJ Bell Women's Tour is Debbie Follering, Team SD Works. Your time trial winner, an incredible ride, the only sub-24 second ride of the day for Team SD Works. Your stage winner is Demi
1: Vollering. Well, that was the sound of the podium, the finishing podium at the end of stage three of the women's tour here in Atherston. My name's Rose Manley, I'm joined by... As always, this week by the wonderful Lizzie Banks. Well, thank you very much, Rose. Lovely to be here with you <laughs> and the fabulous Lionel Burney.
2: Wow, fabulous! It's getting better day by day. I must be doing something right here.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens towards the <laughs> towards the end of uh, the week. But yeah, we're just sitting uh, just off the market square where the time trial, the women's, the women's, oh, the women's tour first ever time trial, in fact, finished in the market square. Um, of Atherston and uh, quite a remarkable result today actually and Lionel you're going to take us through with your story of the stage.
2: Well I am Rose but we're going to do a slightly different story of the stage today because it was a time trial and there were so many changes of lead over the course of the afternoon so we thought we were would try to speak to everyone who sat in the hot seat. We didn't quite that. Not just a that. hot
1: seat Lionel, can I just say it was a giant deck chair, a huge red and white striped de- deck chair.
2: It was the the deck chair of Determination. I don't know what what could that what could we call that? I don't um, know.
1: Destiny's deck chair.
2: Destiny's deck chair. Who sat in Destiny's deck chair over the course of the afternoon? Well, I was standing just beyond the finish line. The riders had done a really technical 16.6 kilometre time trial course, which we'll hear a bit more about from Lizzie in Lizzie's recon in due course. But as the lead changed hands, we grabbed a word with the riders, and uh, well, apart from Jess Allen, who was first out of the starting house, uh, she set the time of 27 minutes 52 and then that time was beaten by Alice Towers who finished in 25 minutes and 59 seconds.
3: I'd seen the course a couple of times because I live live quite quite close to here so um, I had the opportunity to recce it a couple of times uh, which was nice because I could kind of go around the corners a bit more confidently and stuff. I mean, I think I was fastest for a while but I was one of the first to go so I don't know if that is really like a... (laughs) a big thing or not. But I guess it's nice to uh, be at the top for even just a momentary second.
2: Then came to Neil Campbell a few seconds faster.
4: Uh, it was really hard from start to finish. Like I started and uh, my big chainring and that was a really big mistake because then I started to walk on top of the hill and I was like nah, small chainring for it and started to ride into it because I really blew my legs from the big chainring. But yeah, I think I had a pretty decent um, TT. It wasn't My um, effort was not to go full out. It was just to be a bit conservative. So yeah, I think I did a pretty okay job. And yeah, first time on the hot seat and i am enjoying it. (laughs) A big, big chair for a really massive person like myself. So anyone smaller than me, I think they'll just sink inside
3: of it.
2: (laughs) Next in the lead was Anna Christian.
3: I had no idea what time I was going after or what anyone would be doing, but um, yeah, I kind of gave my best, but yeah quite happy to be fastest so far we drove it um just before we got here actually just in the morning but um yeah i can't say it's completely different when you're riding it isn't it i mean a few i took a bit too hot and then i think i started backing off around the next few because i was like oh i'm gonna get caught off guard here and i didn't want to look <laughs> too cocky especially when uh, yeah there's a few people there but um yeah it's always nice to be in the hot seat i guess but i don't think i'll be here for long to be honest with you
2: <laughs> and her time was beaten by audrey cordon Rago, although she eluded my uh, attention at the finish because uh, basically she went flying straight through turned around and then headed off to sit in the giant deck chair then came veronica ewers in 24 minutes 39 seconds the first rider under 25 minutes
1: well veronica i just overheard that that's only the third time trial you've ever done yeah third or fourth i would say a, a legitimate time trial um that was the
5: first one on this bike um, so yeah it was interesting I think that was the second time I've been
6: on that bike <laughs> so it was yeah, it was a learning experience as I was doing it a little uh, hesitant on the corners as well getting into the
5: um, bullhorns a lot just trying to stay low um, and having that inner monologue of you know just get over this hill There's, what comes up must come down
3: sort of thing so yeah
2: Her time was beaten by Alice Barnes the British National Time Trial Champion
3: I didn't actually feel great, I think I was at the start for a bit too long, Um, so yeah, straight away I felt the fatigue and then, yeah, there was a lot of twists which are quite good for me so I can recover and try and uh, make up some time there, but yeah, it was quite an interesting course. It's uh, not the classic UK 10 more time trial, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know who else is to come, but I'll see if I can keep the lead
2: does wearing the national champion skin suit, does that add an extra little bit of pressure on the start line?
3: Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of pressure in the skin suit because there's a lot of Brits here and we'll all be fighting for it next Thursday. So yeah, um, it's a quite a different time chart I think. It's almost double the length next week, but um, yeah, hopefully I did it proud today.
2: And so now what will you do? Just go and sit in the hot seat and see how long the time stands?
3: I have no idea, I don't think I've ever led an international time trial before actually, so um, I'll just do what someone tells me.
2: Then came world hour record holder Joss Loudon she was briefly the world 24 minutes 22 second champion of Atherston. <laughs> well Joss I think your time there 24-22, four seconds quicker than Alice Barnes, are you happy with that and do you think it can stand?
7: Um, there's some real good riders coming later so um, I will be very surprised if it stands but um, of course yeah I mean you can't ask for much more than finishing and being first at the point that you finish so yeah I think overall it was a pretty good ride some places where I could probably have found a bit of time but we can all find holes in our time trials so all in all I'm quite pleased I
2: mean you're coming off the back of the hour record and all of the training for that but how different a test is this today?
7: Oh, it's very different. I mean, it's technical, it's up-down, it's twisty-turny. I mean, there's no time to go into, like, a meditative state of just kind of focusing on the process. You're, like, you're thinking always. I mean, you hardly notice time, but, like, yeah, things going past because it's just one thing after the next, after the next. So, yeah, very different. Um, But, I'm yeah, pleased to have had the road races in the last couple of days to get my legs firing a bit because otherwise I would not (laughs) not have been able to get around.
2: And I heard you saying something you had a problem with your Garmin. Is that right? Oh, I
7: lost it. It, I started, and it was... um, it was uh, wobbling a bit and then I went the first sort of 1st right-hander that went onto the small lanes and it came off then and I thought okay right here we go we're gonna have to ride by perception but luckily I suppose the hour put me in good stead for kind of guessing my pacing so who knows what we did.
2: <laughs> Is that because the road surface was pretty rough? Yeah or? it
7: was pretty bad I just went over a big bump and the whole, like, the whole thing just came off actually um, but these are actually the extensions that I used for my hour so we've had a quick turnaround um, and I think um, yeah maybe it could have just been that we didn't secure it properly.
2: So if anyone's listening, there's a Garmin out there somewhere and you'd like it back.
7: Yeah, I reckon people on the corner would have seen it come flying off. It's Garmin on a big mount. Please return to Joss Loudon.
2: <laughs> and finally, Demi Vollering absolutely obliterated Loudon's time and won the stage in 23 minutes, 18 seconds. Demi, you've smashed the best time. Yes. By more than a minute, you went out fast and you finished faster by the looks of it. What was the strategy at the start?
8: Well, the first, uh, the start was going up, so I, I knew... Uh, and also, Danny told me there I can win it, and also can lose it. If I didn't go there full gas, then then you can never uh, make that right anymore. So the first 4k I, I went all out, and then uh, the middle part was the hardest part, I think. And um, also because there was a lot of headwind after the half of the last half of the time trial, so that made it really hard. Um, yeah, and the last part again full gas, everything i had because yeah that was again up and i need to have it from the uphill so um yeah the time trials are always a bit strange because you can only do your best and then yeah then afterwards you can see what's the result of course but um i'm really enjoying it because i'm still not the best i think but i'm i'm learning so so much lately and i'm also getting better and better so that's really nice to yeah, to feel and to see also, so that's my motivation also to do a, a good time trial only for myself and whatever the, the, the result is doesn't matter. but yeah.
2: Well, you've beaten the new World Hour record holder by more than a minute, so I don't know, maybe the World Hour record in the future too.
8: Uh, I don't know, <laughs> if it's a pill then I would like, but <laughs> not on the track I think. <laughs>
2: So Demi Vollering then, active on the first two stages. She was in a brief break on day one she was in the significant move yesterday the stage of course won yesterday by her teammate Amy Peters SD works now have a second stage win in a row and the leaders jersey and a commanding lead overall one minute and nine seconds over Julia Labou of team DSM Clara Coppone is in third place overall uh, she put up a spirited fight to defend the blue jersey but she's now one minute 19 back so significant gaps um, but only impressive stage win by Vollering especially when you consider she's beaten the recently crowned world hour record um, rider so quite an entertaining time trial I mean I make a joke about it whenever there's a time trial I don't find them the most uh, entertaining of spectacles but with all of those changes of lead and the impact it's had on the overall um, a great day's racing.
0: Still guessing on fueling Not sure what or when to eat or drink on rides that matter? Never again! Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success
2: thanks very much to super sapiens for sponsoring the cycling podcast if you want to find out more about their continuous glucose monitoring system and the app that goes with it go to supersapiens.com but it's that time of day we're going back to the beginning of the day really with lizzie's recon package lizzie was out on the course uh, which was just a straightforward up to the roundabout and back like a classic british 10 wasn't it
5: Day three of Lizzie's Recon and we're in Atherston for a classic British time trial, but there is nothing classic about this time trial other than the numbers. 16 kilometers, 10 miles, but no A1 here, no dual carriageways, no five miles out roundabout, turn five miles back, straight out the gate. We hit a series of rises up and down. Nothing that will concern the riders, but it will test their pacing strategies. It's been throwing it down all night. And despite blue skies and sunshine today, there's a lot of rubbish on the roads. The organization have done an amazing job of clearing up the roads. There's some farm tracks at the bottom and pretty tricky mud line down the middle, potholes, rough roads. It's going to be a lot to test the riders today. Just over halfway now, and the organisation have done a really good job of trying to clean up this course because it's so mucky at points. But I'm with Les from the NEG, and there's one big problem, isn't there?
9: Um, yeah, wind. Yeah, well, the trees are shedding leaves in this breeze, and um, yeah, well, it's a constant battle to keep the road surface, the the damp bits of tarmac, free of, of leaf.
5: Yeah, and tractors.
9: And tractors, yeah, and tractors coming out of the fields and crossing and leaving mud and debris from their chunky tires all over the road, yeah.
5: It was my concern because last night I was trying to sleep and it was, the rain was thrashing against the windows, the wind was howling down and I just thought if a tractor comes and dumps mud everywhere, there's not much you can do about it, you can try and clean the road but there's still going to be that layer of mud and you're saying you've got guys on the course there to just say riders watch out.
9: Yeah absolutely, the organisation have got our NEG marshals positioned in various locations on the course simply to actually advise the riders that there is a hazard, perhaps a, bomb, a sharp bend, or a deviation, or a puddle, or some mud on the road. Um, I appreciate the team cars with in their wreckies, um, and they'll be briefing their riders as they're riding along, but it's still nice to have a, someone at the roadside just giving that visual warning that there is a hazard ahead.
5: Well, that was the sound of Demi Vollering going past on her recon. I'm just past eight K to go now, almost at the seven K to go mark. And that's really the trickiest point of the course done now between 12 and seven K to go. There's a series of really difficult lanes. It's constantly left, right small rises up and down. And you know, you can't take the racing line, the middle of the road has got grit or there's a layer of mud. And despite the fact that the organizers done a great job of cleaning it, if you slam on your brakes in the wrong place, you are going to slide. So who's it going to be today? I think it's going to be a case of who dares wins, isn't it? And um, a rider who's powerful, a rider who's punchy and a rider who's scared to take risks, who's not scared to take risks on those corners. I've done two and a half laps of the course now, so I've got a pretty good understanding what the riders have got in for them. And uh, on the last lap, I had some closed roads as well, which was nice, so you can kind of take the racing line and get a real idea. Oh, here comes the first rider through. Come on, Jess. It's Jess Allen from Bike Exchange. So two kilometers to go for her now. It's a pretty uncomplicated run into Atherton, Atherton Town Centre. And then in the last about 500 meters, there's a right left to the finish. But other than that, it's not too technical at the finish. It's really the kind of middle part of the course where it's constantly up and down, left and right. Back on the course now, the riders are coming through thick and fast. A little bit further down, I think we're expecting Elena Cicchini next. I just saw Hannah Barnes going down the only straight section of the course. She was a few seconds away from catching her minute woman, Soraya Paladine. The hot, scene has, hot seat has been changing constantly. When I last checked, Veronica Ewers of Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank was in it. Here comes Elena Cecchini. There she goes. Just waiting for Elise Shabby. Here she is. Come on, Elise. Flying around the corner in the green Queen of the Mountains jersey. Now I'm going to hot foot it straight back to Atherson. All the riders have set off and I'm going to take the shortcut and try and get there before they do. More riders to
2: go. So, folks, this is really exciting. That was an incredible ride from Debbie following there (laughs) and uh, just three more riders' cars. What you do?
5: An amazing atmosphere at the finish. It's great for the last three riders to come in now. As I arrived here, Demi Vollering had just smashed the previous best time by just over a minute. three riders come in now. I can just see Shaila Guitellez as she's coming down the last 50 meters and then after that we've got Amy Peters and Clara Capone who's going to be trying to hold on to that blue jersey.
1: well Lizzie that sounded like a very technical if not a little bit sketchy (laughs) uh, TT course that uh, you did the recon of and obviously the riders raced on today how much do you think that made an influence on the result
5: hugely you've got to be so brave to take that on and to to get a really fast time because you can lose so much time in that middle section and of course Demi Vollering's time was absolutely incredible. She smashed everybody else out of the park. But I think seeing Joss Loudon there in second place, well, you might say, yeah, of course, she's the new World Hour Record champion, but it's not a technical thing. Well, it is technical what she was doing, but in a completely different fashion. She's following a line round in circles for however many times for an hour. This is is a whole nother beast. You're going up, you're going down, you're going left, you're going right. You've got to have technical skills. You've got to pace it well. You can't blow up because the the climbs, the rises are at the beginning and that's when you're really fresh. You're really excited. You've got so much adrenaline and it's so easy to go too deep right at the start. So I'm really impressed with Joss Loudon's time. Also, we saw five Brits in the top 10 and I think that's incredibly impressive. Alice Barnes in fourth place. She's obviously going really well ahead of the British National Championships. Young rider, Abby Smith, who's recently started riding for Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank up there in seventh place with Anna Shackley in ninth and Hannah Barnes in tenth so I think for the British contingent racing
1: on home roads has made a really
5: big difference here
1: but, I mean it was a mo- monumental win by Demi Vollering wasn't it I mean it was a-, a huge margin before that point in the hot seat it was just a case of seconds uh, being gained by each person or being lost I guess by each person as they took to the hot seat and then you know such a huge margin that Demi took it by
2: it was yeah and as she said as we heard her say um she had to trust in her sports director danny Stamm, who said you can win this but you've got to go out absolutely full gas at the start hold on in that middle section and then bring it home at the end i mean just from the perspective of looking at the times from my um inexpert um vantage point i thought surely gone out too fast but the actually increased the margin over the second half of the course and um, just shows what a good day she was on and SD works are really set about this race haven't they 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 tried to do something on Monday where really it was a kind of futile attempt but they didn't just sit back and think well we'll just let it be a bunch sprint they did try and get in amongst it and of course yesterday Amy Peters kicked off the move and and uh, and Demi Vollering got into that move as well and when I think back to the questions that I asked her because we played your interview yesterday, Rose, didn't we? But I asked, you know, now, do you think we'll see you? Um, you know, is is Amy Peters your rider in the GC mix? I mean, that now seems like the stupidest question going because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Demi Vollering. I mean, anything can happen over the last three days. But in a race of seconds, she has a lead of a minute and nine seconds, which is going to take some closing. And, you know, she's got strong team support, hasn't she? I mean, Vandenbroek, Black and Majerus and Shakini and Anna Shackley. I mean, that is a strong team, probably the strongest team left in the race, really, in terms of numbers and also the sort of accumulative power that they've got.
1: Yeah. And also, I guess the thing is that, that they are part of. Well, SD Works is a team that has been trying to gain little margins um, on every stage. It's not like they're set up for a sprint. So unlike other teams where they kind of brought a more sprinty or fast finishing um, kind of setup, uh, they're not. Those teams are not going to be suited to gaining a minute back on Demi Vollering. I mean, it's just you know, SD Works have set about this from the beginning to to gain to make even what looks like a, a flat sprint stage. Uh, turn into a breakaway stage. Um, So, you know, full confidence that Demi Vollering will, you know, hold on even at this stage, only the third stage um, of six. But there were some other remarkable performances. Um, Veronica Ewers, who we heard in that um, early package in the story of the stage that you did, Lionel, there... Um, was in the hot seat. Tell us a bit more about her and people won't know uh, about her, Lizzie.
5: I mean, she's just had an incredible rise to the top. She's literally just started racing um, at the UCI level. She was previously with uh, a development team in the US, which I just can't recall the name of, but she was spotted, you know, riding in shorts and a t-shirt and trainers. and, And she was so strong that they said, come and ride with us. And then she was picked up by Team Tibco Silicon Valley Bank. She went to the Joe Martin stage race in the US. And I think... She was trying to get the registration sorted with Tibco and didn't even know until an hour before the race if she was going to be able to do it because it was such a late thing to come across. Then she came across to the Ardèche um, Tour of the Ardèche and she had fantastic results there. She was fifth overall at the Tour de l'Ardèche, and then she went to Paris Roubaix, which is oh gosh, what a brutal, <laughs> a brutal hello to racing in the in Europe, eh? Hey? Uh, and then she's come here and really just outdone herself. I. I didn't expect her to perform so well on relatively flat terrain here so I'm really excited to see what she can do next year with a a full winter's training and a full season in Europe.
1: Yeah I think she definitely when I spoke to her in the hot seat she definitely surprised herself she said this was only probably third or fourth time trial that she'd ever done <laughs> which is just absolutely uh incredible and she said it was the what? first one that she'd done on on um the on this Cannondale on this bit on her team bike well exactly because she's only had this equipment for a month perhaps and I do
5: sometimes think this is something that happens when new riders come in because they are so hungry and they are so motivated and they haven't had the crashes and they don't maybe think about the risks so they just go full gas and you sometimes get these really incredible surprising performances because yeah you just want it so badly because you you want to get to that place of being the professional and sometimes people get a bit complacent when they've been there for a while so it's it's just so exciting and I was yeah so happy to see her in the hot seat
2: is it a case of knowing you kind of get to know with experience you kind of you know what your possibilities are, but you also know what your limits are. And, and it's that battle between, you know, risk and reward, I guess. And and a young rider's just coming in, fourth time trial on a, you know, on a uh, new bit of equipment. Um, you know, that, that's something I, that if you can go into it with a completely clear head, there's no barriers, no limits, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think also uh, when I spoke to Anna Christian on the, who was also in the hot seat, I mean, she said that, uh, the Drops rider, she said, Um, that she hadn't actually looked at the course Uh, so she had come in she was like oh that's a surprising corner and had to take it so imagine she uh, had actually surprised herself with uh, the the uh, how quick her time was mainly because she didn't I mean it could have been incredibly dangerous of course but she didn't realize I guess it's that case of not knowing your limits and kind of pushing uh, beyond them um and then obviously getting a, a really good time. Not that I would recommend that anyone does a time trial
7: like that. <laughs> it's without, a scary course knowing. to go into blind. Yeah. I, was,
5: I, was, I rode it about three times a day. The first lap, it was on open roads. And I was on a lane. Car was coming t- towards me, slammed on my brakes. There was quite... There wasn't mud across the road. But there's just a thin film. And it was still a tiny bit wet from the rain overnight. I skidded across the road like quite a long way. And I just thought, yeah, if you get you know, just slightly onto that middle track of mud, it's so scary. So...
1: Yeah, we we're lucky. There was no, uh, well, I haven't heard any, no one DNF today and I haven't heard any reports um, of anyone sustaining any um, injuries. I think Lionel's I think the looking you're about to correct me. Well,
2: no, I'm, I was going to say probably the only casualty of the day, uh, fingers crossed and touch wood and we will correct tomorrow if this does turn out to be wrong. Josh Loudon's Garmin has gone missing. So <laughs> as we said, if anyone does see it, um, you can contact the Cycling Podcast and we will return it um, if that's the easiest way to do so. And, um, We should probably just talk a little bit about Clara Capone as well, because she was in the leader's jersey at the start and put up a good ride and is still in contention for the podium. She's third now, one nineteen behind. If you take Demi Vollering out, it is still a race of seconds. But uh, Lizzie, you spoke to Clara Capone at the finish.
4: Clara, how was that? (sighs) Very hard. (laughs) It's not my specialty, but uh, I give uh, all I I have uh, today, so... I don't know, but, uh, we'll see, but uh, for the
5: first time I take pleasure so uh, on the uh, titido so it's good. It must be a really special thing wearing the blue jersey because I was walking back to the buses yesterday and I actually saw you really hurriedly riding back to the start because I think you didn't realise you were in the leader's jersey.
4: No, no, uh, nobody told me. So I'm going to my camper and they say, but you are first? Oh, okay, I come back. <laughs> so yeah, it's very cool for me. It's, it's the end of my season uh, This uh, on the road after I have the World Championship on the track. So it's good. Uh, I'm in a good shape.
5: Yeah. And you haven't had Paris-Roubaix. You didn't have the world's road race. So you don't have that fatigue that a lot of the other riders have. Do you think that's a big benefit for you? And do you think that there's more stage wins coming for you maybe later in the week or a stage win coming for you later in the week? I don't know if, if it's uh, beneficial because after Olympics, uh, I was in a really bad mood.
4: So I, I take time for um, be good, and uh, so this jersey means uh, a lot for me. So yeah, I wait for uh, victory this week, so we'll see in uh, tomorrow, after tomorrow, and uh, the last day we'll see.
0: The cycling podcast Femina is supported by Science in sport. Science in sport, fueled by science.
1: Well, thank you very much for Science in Sport for keeping us on the road, keeping us talking, keep us having a, a lovely time. If you want to uh, buy any of your, well, if you need any fuel for your ride, uh, for your run, for whatever sporting endeavor you're taking on, then head to scienceinsport.com, and uh, you'll get twenty five percent off with us. You got, see, you got to keep keep close to the cycling podcast. We give you all these kind of things, twenty five percent off. Um, everything there uh, with the code Lionel, and now Lionel, well, come on! Uh, what you you? I've heard you start singing a Watford chant already. So
2: no, I'm gonna say that the code is S I S C P twenty five. Um, I haven't managed to come up with a football you chant for that.
1: No, well that's a lie oh. because you literally about half an hour ago was oh, yeah, was but singing. Oh it goes on
2: too long. Give me an S.
1: Yeah, we can do that. No, we're Ready, not doing Lizzie? the whole.
2: Okay, go. <laughs> give me an S. S, S. Give me an I. I. Give me an S. S. Give me a C. C. Give me a P. P. Give me a two. Two. Give me a five. Five. S-I-S-C-P-25. I I am never doing that again. And Stephen Moon, I (laughs) apologise.
1: Well, I'm glad uh, you can hear it's getting um, kind of rowdy here in Atherston now that Lionel's whipped everyone up into a football chanting frenzy um but it's uh it, it there is a, another day of the year well there is another sport big sporting event that comes to atherston uh every year and it, that is i have to say much more rowdy than the women's toy you going to tell us about it lionel
2: i am yeah i well, the women's tour has had three starts here in Atherston, hasn't it? And now start starting a finish, and it's becoming a semi-annual event, uh, welcoming the women's tour here. I have to say I thought it was fantastic here, coming through Friars Gate, just before the finish line. Uh, that would look absolutely excellent on the TV highlights. Um, just from what I've seen from the photographs out on the course, a really, you know, uh, the epitome of a kind of sporting time trial course. Um, a really good challenge for the riders, um, but what we've subsequently found out is that Atherston is famous for another type of sport, another ball game in fact.
9: Uh, my name's Ben Klein, and Atherston's a great place to live in uh, because everyone knows each other. So as soon as you walk into the street, you know, say hello to somebody that you know. Obviously, it's well-known as well for its pubs and also the Atherston ball game. that has been going on for lots and lots of years. So it's uh, always good to see that, watch that once every year.
2: What is the Atherston ball game? So
9: I haven't uh, actually done it yet, but it's um, when a bunch of men and women that want to sort of join in and they teach a massive ball about around the town and whoever has it last so it usually forms in um, in groups whoever has it last wins the Averson ball game and there's a lot of families around Averson that have won it over time and time and time again uh, but it's a good thing to watch great thing to watch and obviously it brings a lot of people uh, to Averson um, I, think, I think it's been going around about 700 years Pretty sure. So there's loads of signatures on the ball, but yeah, it's a brilliant day out.
2: How big is the ball? How? it's so
9: quite big. Um, what? It as to you? No, I'd say it's uh, about half a meter. Four foot, mate. Yeah, it's a really big ball. Um, it's quite. It's quite easy to you know to take. Um, but yeah, it's quite it's quite difficult to keep the ball. That's the whole point, I think.
2: Just so you just kick it around the streets, up down it's, into it's the market it, square? Yeah, you can
9: kick it, um, run with it, and you can hold it. Um, and I'm pretty sure lots of people, you know, kick it up the air, try and grab it, and keep it as long as they can. And then when the time shuts, that's whoever's got the last, last to have the ball wins. They have some ball down.
2: So that was Ben in the new Swan um we promised not to say it was ben in the new swan but it's too late now um telling that's, us that's about, the
1: name he gave us anyway yeah, you don't know. telling us know. about
2: the atherston ball game if you look on youtube you can see just how brutal this game is the ball is about three or four feet in uh diameter and um, it looks
1: like an old fashioned football d- obviously it can't be the weight of that but it looks it's got that kind of brown leather like a medicine ball a yeah, giant
2: medicine ball and uh bouncing it along the streets we're actually just next to a cobbled street here so um there's a even a cycling e-link with uh, with the Atherston ball game, but if you search it on YouTube, you will see um, that I think it's the equal of the the cheese roll in uh, the West Country, uh, sort of one of the. And there's a game in is it somewhere else in the Midlands where um, they try to kick the ball to from one end of the street to the other. It's a kind of variation mm. on that sort of ancient ball game, but fantastic stuff. Um, we'll have to come up on Pancake Day next year for the Atherston ball game.
1: Yeah, maybe we could even start a little offshoot Atherston Ball Game podcast. It I, wouldn't be wouldn't fill a year worth of content, would it? But
2: how do you think you'd do in the Atherston Ball Game, Lizzie?
1: I would definitely try and win.
5: Lizzie <laughs> would be
2: very good, I reckon. I
5: would grab Ficious. the ball and I would not let yeah. go.
2: <laughs> I can believe that actually. Yeah, I can see you being quite a fierce competitor in the <laughs> Atherston Ball Game. I'd probably head into the New Swan for a, for a pint of local ale instead, and let you all get on with it.
1: Well, we'll have to wait until Pancake Day next year before we can start discussing what happened with the Atherton ball game. Um, But what we did want to talk about was um, Joss Loudon today, who finished second one minute uh, and four seconds back behind Demi Vollering. Um, We've mentioned a few times, actually, that she's the uh, hour record holder. Um, She only did that last week and obviously not taking absolutely any rest uh, from that whatsoever um, but I caught up with her earlier this week and uh, she told us all about it okay Joss Loudon women's our record holder how does it feel now a few days on has it kind of sunk in that achievement yeah
7: yeah it has actually Um yeah, I, I said afterwards I felt what I felt was like huge relief, and now I'm just of enjoying the fact that I've done something quite cool um, and that we did actually make it as a bigger thing as we, as sort of what Le was able to do. Like in sort of in the run up to it, I talked quite a lot about how I find the media side of it like quite a lot of pressure, but actually, in hindsight, I look back and I'm really pleased that we did it the way we did and can enjoy it now.
1: And have you kind of thought about, you know, how big a thing that is to have got the hour record like yourself personally not just like the impression it made on other people but for you yourself
7: well, it's it's hard to say that really because when you're on the inside of something it just because it's it's what you're surrounded by so it's almost like becomes completely normalized so i was like oh i just went and rode around track for an hour so I, I don't know whether it's whether you can really say like oh i feel like i've achieved like such a, something so huge I suppose if I saw someone else do it, I would think that they had achieved something massive. But because it's yourself, and it's just yeah, it becomes like something that you just almost tick off. But I know that it. I know that it's an achievement, and I know I of course I'm proud of what we
1: did. And what was it like? You know, what was the feeling like when you were actually doing the hour? I know you've spoken before about feeling like oh, it's just quite fine at the beginning and then pretty yeah. horrible. But how was it when you were? You know, was there more pressure doing it officially? So there was a huge amount of pressure, oddly,
7: until actually the day, or sort of the day before, I actually felt like, oh, I'm quite, I'm quite calm, actually. And um, because, of course, I can't see the live stream, and I can't see who's tuning in to watch it. What I had was a fe- relatively quiet stadium. Um, like, the velodrome was, was quiet. We just had family and friends, and then, obviously, like, the media team. But I did it the way that, in fact, like, I kind of wanted to do it, like, get on quite quietly, just get on my bike and ride around. So, oddly, like, I had, like, quite... A like, a sense of calm going into it and felt quite relaxed. Um, And I think about halfway round, I thought to myself, oh, there's a lot of people watching this. Like, get, like, try and enjoy that excitement because you can kind of put yourself into, yeah, the viewer's seat. And, um, yeah, so I don't think, actually, on the day, I felt hugely pressured by it. But in the run-up to it, yeah, I definitely did.
1: (laughs) But you're saying, you know, thinking about the fans watching at home while you're actually doing the record attempt... But, you know, what else is going through your mind? I wouldn't have thought you'd even be thinking about that. I would, think, would have thought you'd just be thinking about lap time, lap time, lap time all the time. Yeah, like, your mind kind of, like, wonder.
7: mostly you're thinking about your ride, absolutely. Thinking about, yeah, lap splits, keeping it controlled, how you're feeling. It's like this feedback loop of, like, how are my legs feeling, how's my breathing. The line was dreadful because I was terrified of hitting those TSO blocks on the coat because they were... Like, hefty things. And when I did hit them, you really know about it. So that kind of messed with my line a bit, which then messed with my head because I knew that I was riding a, a much wider line than I would have wanted to. So you're thinking about that sort of thing. And then every now and then your mind drifts. Um, and then
1: you're like, oh, no, 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 come back. Come back, concentrate, concentrate. Um, but, yeah, it's mostly you're just thinking about riding. <laughs> and then after you finished, did you think, oh, I could go a bit further? You know, sometimes you get these people who do the hour record they do it multiple times they yeah. kind of keep pushing it have you had any thoughts about that yet
7: i know i could do further like absolutely no doubt about that i'm, I'm sure i could um like even little things like um you know the, the like the conditions on the day weren't as good as what they could have been or like i mean yeah you got up to altitude and then could see really see what i could push um and then just going into it with a better I better preparation like I did the best I could given the run in that I had and given the full race calendar that we do have so I'm not disappointed that I didn't go further and I'm not disappointed that I didn't you know completely kill myself in the process I did what I could do like although like I, did, I couldn't completely put myself in a box because I, I probably just had a bit too much fatigue to be able to get to that point so it is actually like you have to do quite a conservative effort because it wasn't fresh enough
1: so, um, yeah, I could do more. Whether I will, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> How come you decided to do it at sea level instead of going for one of those, you know, big South American altitude kind of velodromes? Um,
7: I think logistics, really. Like, yeah, the fact that, you know, travel isn't that easy at the moment. Um, the fact that uh, we've got this race calendar and I have worlds and I've got lots of other stuff going on. Like, the cost is obviously huge. There was a lot of things that made it just not possible. And I felt quite confident when we planned it that I could break the record at sea level so I thought well yeah let's why not and then if one day the opportunity arises to go to altitude then maybe I'll have a crack at it but yeah it was absolutely perfect for what we needed to do
1: and you just looked so fresh after you finished and obviously you're straight away back into road racing again (laughs) how's it been making that change back to the road already so I,
7: my legs felt a bit snoozy. It was like coming off an off-season almost because I'd had so much rest, actually, throughout September with the fact that all I was doing was racing, resting, racing, resting. So when I got on my bike yesterday, the first whew, three quarters of the race, I felt pretty like, I don't know, just a bit like lacking kick. Um, and by the finish, yeah, I just kind of felt like I'd ridden into it. So I'm kind of fully expecting that as the week progresses, I'll probably get stronger, I hope.
1: <laughs> And how was it watching Dan go for his, uh, your fiancé, Dan Bigham, going for his attempt the next day? It
7: was really fun, yeah. I thought, again, I thought I'd be really, really nervous. Normally I get really nervous when he races, but uh, yeah, no, I was calm. I was uh, actually just enjoying it. I completely trusted, like, his plan, his logic, his form, what he was going to do. And so, um, yeah, I felt pretty confident for him.
1: That's great. And, you know, was it nice to be able to celebrate together afterwards after it is all done?
7: Yeah, we went out for dinner with like his family, my family, like our friends, the film crew and everything. And uh, we had, yeah, we had a really fun evening.
2: Well, third behind Vollering and Loudon was Leah Kirchman of Team DSM. And I was looking back through the history of the women's tour Um, trying to get up to speed with the history of the women's tour because i've never covered the race i've only been to a few stages that have been local to me in the past i know obviously richard and orla and rose you've covered the race the last few editions for the cycling podcast but i noticed that three riders started this race as ever-present, having ridden and completed every stage of every edition of the women's tour. And Elisa Longo-Borghini, well, she was out of contention for the ever-present award on day one because she didn't finish the first stage. So that leaves just two standing. And uh, one of them, Leah Kirchman was third on the stage today and when she crossed the line she was only a second behind Jos Loudon yesterday I spoke to her in a rather rainy Warsaw and I asked her whether she was aware of the fact that she had ridden every day of every race so far now I don't know if you know this but I think you're one of only two riders who's completed every single stage of every edition of the women's tour so far
6: oh that's um really cool to know yeah I've uh, loved coming to this race ever since the first edition back in 2014.
2: I was going to make a joke, what brings you back? It must be the weather as we stand <laughs> in a very rainy Warsaw. Uh,
6: yeah, maybe not the weather, but definitely the people. I think uh, you know the fans are one of the best parts of this race and I especially love that all the school children are always out cheering us on and, and helping us on with the sign-on and, and the podiums and things like this.
2: Do you have any particular outstanding memories from any of the previous editions? I mean, you've had good stage results, good overall results, but not a stage win yet.
6: Yeah, no stage win, but definitely I've fond memories of being on the podium a few times and a few stages. And um, yeah, just, I just remember there's been some pretty epic stages like with climbing in Wales. And, whales and um, yeah, I've just I've just enjoyed the variety that this race always has to offer.
2: And off to a good start yesterday, 10th place after quite a hectic finale.
6: Yeah, the original plan wasn't that that uh, I would sprint, but unfortunately I was doing the lead out and then we had uh, that crash in the, the last roundabout. So I tried to still, still go for a result for our team. Um, but yeah, we're looking for a little bit of better luck for the next stages.
2: And just lastly, do you know who the other rider is who's ridden every stage? Can you have a guess?
6: Hmm. Is it, is it Christine Masuris? A...
2: It's actually Hannah Barnes, Hannah I Barnes. think. Ah. So there you go. So a little bit of an inter-race competition there.
6: Okay. <laughs> no, it's really cool to know that I really enjoy coming to this race. Uh, well, of course, Leah
1: Kirchman will be lining up once again tomorrow. What have we got in store tomorrow? We've got another ball game tomorrow. Another ball game. Beach ball.
5: We're heading to the seaside.
2: (laughs) Whoa. I mean, the excitement level was about a day at the seaside. I mean, it's quite a seaside end, isn't it? Because we'll finish in Felixstowe as well. I hope you brought your buckets and spades. we're
1: going to Clacton. Clacton. We're going to have three um, coastal finishes. Excellent. So we're climbing slowly uh, up the... uh, It's Essex East Anglia, I think it is. The East Anglian coast. So starting... Starting in Shoebury Ness, which I think is a revelation to you, Lizzie, just the name. Alone. I
5: didn't know. I thought we were start- starting and finishing in South End. And then I was trying to work out what Shoebury Ness, where, <laughs> where, where or what Shoebury Ness was. Um, so, yeah,
1: new new to me. But yeah, we're going to head to uh, Shoebury Ness, finish in uh, South End. Imagine it's going to be pretty windy out there because, uh, you know, so that might make for some interesting. We can fingers crossed make for some uh, breaking up of the peloton or something, uh, an interesting finish there. Um, We believe that actually the original plan was to go and kind of head to the Dengue Marshes kind of area, and uh, people who kind of follow the domestic scene might. no, that area well there's kind of a lot of uh, gravelly kind of farm tracky off-roady kind of parts um i think unfortunately they haven't managed to get the route to go there though i think it goes very close to that kind of region which might be familiar to people uh but we're probably expecting a sprint are we tomorrow It looks like it but the only QM of the day does
5: come pretty late just after 110 kilometers and it's only 117 kilometers in the race Mm. so day four people are going to get really tired it's a three hour transfer from here over to South End so it really pushes things back like massage dinner all your recovery is pushed back you get less sleep so we'll see what happens because I think that things might start breaking up.
2: I do like the fact that um, you know the the Tour of Britain and women's tour organisers are now reaching a point where they can start stretching out I mean I was at the Tour of Britain where they went to the Great Orme which was a fantastic summit finish Um, I mean we can talk about the the route of this race being uh, favouring the sprinters but you know I think that the the idea of taking the race on some kind of gravelly exploration would be fantastic so maybe in a future year that will be something they'll be able to do
5: it's something that the riders really relish as well. We love that kind of terrain. Of course, it comes with possible punctures and misfortune, but it's also really exciting and there is so much appetite for that. And I think a lot more riders are riding off-road a lot more in their training as well. So they're getting better skills and yeah it's just it's just
2: fun but I think we saw today with the type of time trial course um that they chose you know it would have been very easy just to do straight out on the main road and straight back on the main road or, or just to sort of um you know tick the box of doing a time trial and uh, but to actually take it out into the countryside a little bit and give the riders a proper challenge with all of those corners all of that acceleration and and just to you know throw a seed of doubt and it has paid off in terms of the results I mean Demi Vollering you know, she risked it all and she got a handsome reward. Um, but as I said at the start, you know, other than that, we, it's it's a, a race of seconds, which just, I think, highlights how well Demi Vollering uh, did today. Uh, we will see whether SD Works can defend that jersey tomorrow and then into the weekend.
1: Well, right, exactly. And Lizzie, you mentioned both a long transfer and dinner. So I think that's a very good cue to uh, both get on the road and get eating some, I guess, fish and chips might be the only appropriate chips, thing. Or
2: Cockles, winkles, shrimps. It. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Right. Well, we're relishing that opportunity. That's what we're going to relish. The riders can relish, like, interesting terrain. We can relish uh, a good dinner.
2: I'm not s- sure that winkles are an energy food, are they? They may, be, well, they may well be. High well,
1: s- protein. Why don't we get science and sport on it? There you go. Winkles in a in a gel wrapper oh god it's about the right consistency though isn't it there you go i'm full of ideas have that you can have that one for free so uh lizzie well i'll see you at the seaside i'll bring my beach ball perfect and lionel i'm looking forward to seeing you with a little knotted hanky on your head that
2: was so obvious and (laughs) too easy but yeah my knotted handkerchief is in my case don't worry